Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. Glad to have you with me. The phone number, 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, can't thank you enough for being with me today. I have deep thoughts on Ron DeSantis I want to I want to share with you and the war with Disney. We are in the midst of a political realignment in this country. Uh, Donald Trump did not cause this. Donald Trump is a symptom of a reflection of our great political realignment. We are seeing upper-income white people become more Democrat because their lives tend to be better than the white working class and non-white middle class who are all shifting towards the GOP. If you are upper income and white in this country, you and you have a college degree, you tend to be better off. Your investments are doing well. You're, you've got equity in your house. You have a good job. You can worry about social issues. And uh, more often than not, when people no longer have to worry as much economically and they worry and, and fret about social issues, they tend to become more socially liberal. Idle hands, um, breeding in sin, however you want to look at it, uh, socially liberal progressives who are white and upper income worry about socially liberal progressive things, and they really stop worrying about the plight of the poor and other people, which causes them to find someone who cares about them, and right now it's the GOP. We were just seeing a, a complete uh, going upside down where the Republican Party used to be the party of college-educated white people. It's becoming uh, the middle class and, and the working class and, and non-white voters moving to the GOP. The old rules of doing things do not necessarily compute anymore. On top of that, it used to be the case that the Republican Party was the party of the Chamber of Commerce and the Republican Party would leave businesses alone. What happened over time is that as conservatives made more and more inroads into government, they left behind corporations and progressives came in after them and moved corporations to the left where businesses had been largely uh, apolitical, non-political, or conservative. Suddenly, they're very progressive. Conservatives got into government. They're like, oh, crap, we we ceded all the, the corporate, the Fortune 500 to the left now. And now these companies are funding the left. What do we do? And these issues all came together at the same time, a political realignment and a conservative culture that has moved into and captured a lot of institutions of government, leaving behind the institutions of the private sector, which have now, like academic institutions, been captured by the left. So you get conservatives in government, they're like, well, now what do we do? Well, the easy answer is, well, now you use the powers of government to go after these private corporations. Now you have the white working class and non-white working class moving to the GOP, You've got the secular elite moving to the Democrats. What do you have to lose? Thus, we find ourselves in this political realignment where the old paradigms no longer apply. 
the old balances of power no longer exist, and the old structures of institutional political parties have kind of gotten sclerotic. And we find the governor of Florida waging a war against the rat. That would be Disney. He's getting assailed by the libertarian-leaning part of the Republican Party. I have personal qualms with any governor choosing to go after any business that chooses to speak up for or against public policy. If it can be done to Disney, if the government can go after Disney, they go after everyone. I say that and also say this. When corporations speak up against the left, the government goes after them. You can't expect conservatives to cede ground. Conservatives believe the world is out to get them, and to a degree, they're right. You have a guy in Florida who has captured government. He has a supermajority of the legislature, and he's going up against a particular company, not every company, but one company in particular that for years, public records show, has used its leverage in Florida to get everything it wants and to block everything it does not want. And what DeSantis has done in Florida is send a signal to the rat and corporations like it that we're going to do things differently now. You don't get your way just because you're the predominant corporation in the state of Florida. If your values are not our values, we do something different. Disney, of course, is the one that started this by coming out publicly against DeSantis's laws on teaching kindergartners about sex. What the left called the don't say gay law was actually from kindergarten to third grade, you're just not teaching kids sex. It was overwhelmingly supported in Florida by Democrats and Republicans alike, and it passed. Disney only spoke out about it because the wokes at Disney pressured Bob Chapik, the then CEO, to get involved. Now Bob Iger is there, and Bob Iger is playing to the left. Remember, Bob Iger flirted with running for president as a Democrat. Bob Iger decided to steer around Ron DeSantis after DeSantis uh, carved, uh, got rid of Disney's Reedy Creek Investment Development Corporation or whatever. Uh, Bob Iger pulled a, sl a fast one, removed powers from that body, and so DeSantis is not finished. It was a dumb move from Iger. The, what DeSantis proposed essentially would have been the status quo, but with more elected officials involved, more democracy involved. Disney would not have been able to just get everything it wanted anymore. Well, Disney decided to get clever. So DeSantis is responding again. And in the past, Florida has largely allowed Disney on its own to serve as its building code enforcer and inspector. So the state of Florida did not inspect the monorails, did not inspect the bridges, did not inspect Cinderella's castle, didn't do any of that. You know what? In California, the state does. So DeSantis has responded to Disney, which responded to DeSantis, which responded to Disney. His new response is, we're just going to impose on you regulatory inspection costs that you already deal with in California. And Disney's mad. But DeSantis went beyond that. DeSantis jokingly said someone suggested also building a state penitentiary on land next to Disney. 
There was a meltdown by the media. There was a meltdown by the left. There was a meltdown by Republicans who don't like DeSantis. I can't believe Ron DeSantis would do that. How could he suggest building? You know what Disney should do? They should dig up the Magic Kingdom and move it to Georgia or somewhere else. This ridiculous outrage. One, he clearly was joking. No one has a sense of humor when they can get a pound of flesh. But two, Disney can't dig up the Magic Kingdom. They're stuck. For all the people thinking Disney has gotten the better of DeSantis, Disney is a landlocked, multi-billion dollar corporation with a massive pile of land in Florida. It's not moving anywhere else. They probably should not have poked the bear. Now, there's more, though. DeSantis is going to run for president, and it's ironic watching uh, Donald Trump and Donald Trump's supporters attack DeSantis for going after this corporation, which they praised DeSantis for doing until the moment it became clear he was running for president, and now suddenly they've changed their mind. But there's also something else here that needs to bear witness. We are in a political realignment, and I don't have the answer necessarily for going forward. I am hesitant to think that a government should go after a business that decided to speak up on public policy. I am also hesitant allowing one business in one state to have such disproportionate clout, it tends to get everything it wants and gets blocked everything it wants blocked. Disney in the past has helped block legislation that would have regulated, expanded uh, the police powers of, and stopped human trafficking. Disney opposed human trafficking legislation in Florida. And the legislature which opposes human trafficking, opposed the legislation that would have cracked down on human trafficking because Disney wanted it. I also recognize that we are in this political realignment. And the reason Donald Trump can get the Republican nomination with 40, 41% support, with more than 50% of the GOP opposing him, is because each one of those people refuse to recognize we're not in the pre-Trump GOP anymore, and they still want everything exactly as they wanted it before, and they refuse to compromise too. They blast the Republicans who support Donald Trump and say, you people want your way or the highway. Well, screw you. You need to compromise. These people want the same thing. They're like, we can't have Ron DeSantis do That's not conservative. How dare he go after a business that's voicing his public opinion? Okay, what is your solution? It is beyond dispute that progressives have taken over major corporations and are using those corporations' financial power to advance their agenda. Hello, Major League Baseball boycotting the state of Georgia over an elections bill and Hollywood Studios threatening to pull out of the state if the state of Georgia passed a Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which, by the way, the state has never done because those Hollywood businesses have threatened economic sanctions. When you're a multi-billion dollar corporation, you're not just speaking up, giving your voice, you're making threats with your economic clout. And Ron DeSantis has economic clout of his own as governor of Florida, and he's combating it's not exactly the same thing as a business saying, we like this or we don't like that. Their voice, it's okay. The people who say, well, Disney just spoke up and expressed their opinion, they didn't just speak up and expect, express their opinion. They actively tried to pursue killing a piece of legislation with lobbyists 
And guess what? DeSantis responded. Yeah, I fully concede it makes me uncomfortable. But I also fully concede that the left was already doing this. And what you're upset about is the right now engaging in tactics of the left. I have always said and maintained our ways are not their ways. But I also understand we are in a political realignment and a lot of the upper income, well-to-do, comfortably living, rich white people who are most opposed to this are now in the Democratic Party and they're not saying jack about the Democrats and progressives doing this through corporations. Is DeSantis the perfect candidate? No, neither is Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, Tim Scott. I think they're all better than Donald Trump. You will get Donald Trump if you're not willing to show some grace to people trying to arrive in this political realignment with some semblance of conservatism left, even though it's not exactly what you want. You can say this isn't conservative. Actually, it is pretty conservative. It's just not libertarian. And so much of the conservative movement for so long has been defined by a laissez-faire libertarianism that you don't recognize the conservatism in it of battling the wokes who have hijacked a private corporation who aren't using that private corporation to advance business. They're using that private corporation to advance a political agenda. If Disney wishes to advance a political agenda, it should expect pushback. Every corporation at this point should, including Anheuser-Busch, for celebrating a transgender activist the week a transgender activist murdered six people. But also... A lot of the people who are saying Ron DeSantis isn't conservative because he's doing this were opposed to Ron DeSantis when he helped start the House Freedom Caucus. They were opposed to Ron DeSantis when he was fighting for uh, sequestration and actual meaningful spending cuts in government. They were opposed to Ron DeSantis when he was pushing John Boehner out the door. They were opposed to Ron DeSantis when he was fighting to secure the border in Congress. They were opposed to Ron DeSantis when he was fighting big government from Barack Obama uh, when in ways that the Republican establishment didn't. A lot of the people who are defining DeSantis as not conservative because of what he's doing to Disney were the people against the conservatives when Barack Obama was president and Ron DeSantis was in the House of Representatives. Maybe you people shouldn't be the ones to define what conservative is. Or maybe we're in a profound political realignment and you and I and our policy preferences have kind of been pushed aside because the policy preferences we've advocated, we failed to sell to people. And DeSantis is trying to rebuild something based on what we've done in the state of Florida and recognizing that corporations weaponized by the left are a threat to freedom. And I would argue on that, he's not wrong. Hello there, it's Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program. Very happy to have you, if you want to be so. Did you know there was a Chinese police station in New York City? We mentioned this a while back, actually, and the FBI has now arrested two Chinese agents. Federal prosecutors have charged dozens more for working to silence and harass dissidents within the United States with an undeclared police station. Uh, Lu Jingwang and Xin Jinping allegedly operated the police station in New York City's Chinatown. Both men are U.S. citizens and have been charged with conspiring to act as agents of the Chinese government and obstructing justice. The police station has been shut down 
since a search warrant was executed at the location. The two men appeared in court Monday with Lou being released on $250,000 bond, Chin on $400,000 bond, uh, neither permitted to travel within a half mile of the Chinese consulate or a mission or communicate with co-conspirators. Neither has entered a plea. Now, what is this? So the Chinese have been operating underground police stations designed to harass uh, Chinese citizens or even American citizens of Chinese descent in the United States who have family in China. They were directed uh, to create and maintain accounts that looked like they were run by American citizens. Uh, th- they had all sorts of propaganda machines they were pushing. It was really a nefarious thing they were doing, and now they're going to jail. Howdy. Welcome across the nation. I'm at my flagship studio, WSB in Atlanta, Georgia, beaming out via satellite to all of you, and it is a gorgeous day here. The full number is 877-973-7425. Let us talk about my second favorite topic. My first favorite topic, of course, being myself. My second favorite topic being food. They're coming for it. Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City, wants you to stop eating beef. He wants to increase a quote-unquote plant-powered diet in New York because of global warming. All food is not created equal, he said. The vast majority of food that is contributing to our emissions crisis lies in meat and dairy products. They're coming for your hamburger, folks. Now, let's go on and predict what's going to happen. As people on the right point this out, the media will say we're culture warriors and we're dragging hamburgers and cows into a culture war, just like they did when the left said they wanted to get rid of gas stoves. Suddenly, it was the the right to blame. Why is the right fighting a culture war on stoves? They'll do the same thing with the cow. Very similar to what they're doing with the burger or with, with the uh, with, with the automobile. You know, you, you culture warriors, you're the ones who want to keep the fossil fuel burning industrial combustion engine, internal combustion engine. Uh, actually, only turns out 4% of Americans, only 4% of Americans have an electric vehicle. And 49% of Americans, no, 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 I'm sorry, 47% of Americans say they have no interest in getting one. But it's conservatives who are fighting this culture war. Now, I want to read for you some of um, Noah Rothman from National Review on this. Uh, Eric Adams' boosterism for a plant-powered diet supplements his efforts to expand a program he inherited from former mayor Bill de Blasio, which is now designed to reduce the city's carbon footprint by 33% in 2030 by cutting back on protein purchases. Adams scolded his fellow environmentalists for devoting most of their carbon-cutting efforts to curbing the combustion of fossil fuels. Quote, but we now have to talk about beef, and I don't know if people are really ready for that conversation, he said. Adams' self-image as a bold truth-teller notwithstanding, the conversation he's just now joining is equal parts raging and insular. Participants in that conversation do not, however, evince the courage of their convictions they present only in the company of like minds. 
If you disagree with the premise that limiting your meat consumption is the only way to save the world, advocates of a meatless future insist that no one is arguing for this sort of thing. It's just paranoia. A recent essay in The New Republic by Jan uh, Deskowitz and Gabriel Rosenberg presents a perfect illustration of the backward causality typical of activists who insist the only way to arrest catastrophic climate change is to limit the public's protein intake, but also insist that it's madness to believe anyone wants to limit your protein intake. They decry the insipid and ridiculous accusations from conservatives who assume that policies designed to limit the public's consumption of meat represent an effort to reduce the public's consumption of meat. Your stake has been turned into a culture war issue by the people who notice and, most importantly, resent this effort to impose new cultural standards on the public from above. The prosecutors of the culture war are the conservatives whose, quote, darker fantasies aren't just about threats to a dietary staple, but also threats to the liberty, bodily integrity, and masculinity of American men, they write. It's American conservatives they want you to know who have lost touch with reality. So here's the reality. Uh, I am, so I'm I'm really good at the exercise. I do CrossFit. I I, I say that not to brag because I'm really bad at it. Um, but I, I have, I try to go to the gym three times a week. I've got to up my steps. There, there are things you can do to get yourself in shape and lose weight. Uh, you don't have to be Lizzo and claim that you're perfect and beautiful and, and healthy. Uh, when you're morbidly obese, you are not healthy. You are fat. I am fat, and I'm working on it. And what I'm working on is not just exercise, but, you know, there's this whole diet thing, too. And I've got to get out of eating like I'm still in my 20s and increase my protein intake. And every nutritionist I have talked to has said I should be increasing my protein, making sure I'm mostly drinking water and staying hydrated through the day, and getting 10,000 steps, if I just do 10,000 steps, increase my protein and increase my water intake, that I will go a long way towards losing weight. And in fact, full disclosure, I got on this kick about four or five months ago, and I lost about 20 pounds. And I will, I remember the exact day I was counting macros. Y'all, I, I have, my wife has this app called Carbon. And she got me to use it. I mean, I am in there. I am counted up. I got ketchup on my burger. I got to have the ketchup. I put in two tablespoons of milk instead of one in the coffee. I got to, I had all macros. I was losing weight, tracking the macros, weighing my food. My wife does this. My wife has a scale and she weighs out all of her food. Everything has to be weighed out. And it just, this is not eating. Y'all, I am passionate about food. You know, I like to cook and it just took the joy out of it. But I was doing it. I lost 20 pounds. And I remember I was sitting in a restaurant up from my office, a little breakfast joint. And on the menu came, and I knew what I was going to I was just going to get the, the two eggs scrambled and the bacon. I might get the omelet. And I thought, you know what? I've lost 20 pounds. I'm good at this. I don't have to keep weighing my food. I can do it myself. Give me the waffle. Put back on 15 pounds. Now I'm working again. To lose the weight. And I need to. My wife has lost like 70 pounds and put on a bunch of muscle, and I'm working on it. But the, the common thread in all of this, though, is that protein, fish, shrimp are really good. My wife hates them, but I love shrimp. They're protein bomb. Chicken, 
beef. I have a friend of mine who eats steak for breakfast almost every day. He goes to Whole Foods and he buys a giant steak. He cuts it into like two or three pieces and he has that for breakfast over over several days. He has steak and it's really just one ginormous expensive piece of meat, but he spreads it out over several days, has it with eggs in the morning. Now, I I would have to take several fiber supplements if I did that, but nonetheless, protein for a diet is phenomenal. And as more people get more protein, they build more muscle, they grow, they get taller. And the left, the environmentalists, want you to stop eating that meat. That's good for you. Your body needs it. They would prefer you to eat soybean uh, protein and synthetic proteins, which are not actually as good for you. Because the nanny staters don't actually care about you, number one. They care about the planet. But number two, they actually don't care about your health because if you die tomorrow, you're one less carbon breather on the planet, and you mouth breathers are to blame for all the world's ills. This is back to Noah Rothman. The Green New Deal's explicit articulation of the problem posed by meat production and its implicit remedies for your heedless consumption of animal flesh wasn't groundbreaking. It drew from a decade of activism dressed up as scientific inquiry. In 2018, the U.S. Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change insisted that, quote, targeting the demand for meat and other livestock products so as to reduce the amount of meat consumed in Western nations by 30% was a crucial environmentalist goal. Writing in the journal Nature, Oxford researcher Marco Springman claimed the world would must give up 75% of its beef, 90% of its pork, and at least half the eggs it consumed to avoid global catastrophe. Even the New York Times article that lends a superficially authoritative gloss to Eric Adams' quirky hang-ups about meat conveys the impression to any sentient reader that limits on your meat intake, voluntarily or otherwise, are crucial to public policy goals. Now, the larger issue here is they keep telling us this stuff isn't happening. They keep telling us it's all in our heads, yet they keep doing it. This has become the playbook of the left. It's why, so I got a couple, if you if you text DATA to 33777, you subscribe to my my Substack daily newsletter. If, you, if you're a paid subscriber, you get to put comments in. And there are a couple of people who are uh, one world order conspiracy theorists. They are, this is all about one world government. This is one world government. It's a certain generation of Americans who are obsessed with the idea of a one-world government. Now, I've been hearing about the one-world government since I was a kid. It hasn't come to be. But there are people committed to the idea, oh, we're going to have one-world government. You can't really blame them for the conspiracy theorizing because we do see the Davos crowd the World Economic Forum crowd really would like to have a, a one-world government, and they're openly talking about it. And what you find happening is the left openly talks about these things, and when you call them out, they say, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. What, what would give you the idea we're doing that? Well, this is what you said. We, we didn't say that. Well, here's the video of you. What? No, you missed that's out of context. We would never want a one-world government. Can I be on the stamp? Um, you can't really blame the conspiracy theorists, but I would just say if you're 
If you are a one world order person, you're probably in your mid to late 60s. Uh, you, you, you probably imbibe some Lyndon LaRouche and you didn't like George H.W. Bush. Um, there's, there's a pattern for the people who obsess about one world government. But again, what the left tends to do is it says these things they are going to do. And when you call them out on them, they deny exactly what they said until they get to implement it. And then you're a bad person for not going along with it. And we see this with meat for the last five years. Now, environmentalists have been very adamant. We must end the consumption of meat in this country, not just beef, beef number one, but also pork and chicken. It's bad for the environment. It's bad for the land. It's bad for the air. It's bad for you. And you now have government coalitions cracking down on it, trying to drive up the price of it. That's why inflation, they don't really think inflation is so bad because inflation has driven up the cost of meat at the grocery store. And as meat prices rise, you can't eat it as much. And then they want to push you towards synthetic beef, like the Beyond and the Impossible Meats. They use synthetic hemoglobin to give you a meat feel in your mouth. That's how they call it, a meaty feel in your mouth. Ali Akbar was not involved. I, I just, I, I the, whole, the whole thing is just absurd to me that this is the direction that the environmentalist movement wants to go in this country. They are already pushing you to buy an electric vehicle. They're already pushing the government to punish you for not getting an electric vehicle. Now they want to drive up the cost of meat in the country. They want to drive up your regulatory costs if you want to have access to meat in this country. And then they want to deny that they're even doing it. Say, we're not doing this to you. They've been pretty open about it. The bottom line here is this. They lack the necessary humility to get it done. Most Americans care about the environment. But most Americans are not going to radically give up their way of life. They may recycle, they may cut back, they may take shorter showers. But when you're telling Americans you got to go from your hamburger to tofu, they're not going to go along with that. They're not going to go along with the fundamental radical disruption of their lives. And the fact that the environmentalists don't get this is actually our best friend in fighting back against them because they're very open about what they want, and then they deny it's what they want, and it becomes very clear to me that you got them talking on both sides of their mouths. No one believes them except to believe that they are trying to come for your way of life, and you don't want to give up your way of life. And the dirty little secret is most liberals don't either. With the market that was topsy-turvy as it is, you do want to do something. The market's up right now, but will it last? I don't know, given the craziness of it. You might want to consider using Advantage Gold to try to figure out how to use uh, precious metals to ease the ebbs and flows of your investments and stabilize things. 800-450-2566 is their number. With inflation, you got the stock market volatility. you got the crazy global uh, situation out there. TrustLink's number one highest rated gold company for seven years in a row is... Advantage Gold, 800-450-2566. If you call them, they'll give you a free gold IRA investment kit. Here's the thing you need to know. If you want to use precious metals for your IRA or your 401k, there are rules you have to follow with how you store the metals. You can't just keep them in your jewelry box. And Advantage Gold will help you with those rules for general investments, for retirement planning, 
They know the rules. They're not gimmicky. They're easy to understand. They have great resources and information for you. If you're at all interested in using precious metals, call them, 800-450-2566. Tell them I sent you, 800-450-2566. This is the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. Wherever you are nationwide, you can use First Liberty to grow your business, whether you're in our great affiliate up in Montana or some of our affiliates in Florida or Oregon or Arizona, wherever, as we expand across the nation, First Liberty wants to help your business. If you need $750,000 or more to buy a building, build a building, grow a franchise, reach out to them, firstlibertyga.com. They make their own decisions and might be able to get you to yes, where a lot of lenders are saying no in this environment, firstlibertyga.com. Tell them I sent you. I, I mentioned passive-aggressively, in that last monologue, Ali Akbar, Ali Alexander, I guess, actually, is um, Ali Alexander. And his, uh, he, ugh. this guy, I've, I've encountered that guy for years. I, I've kind of known him not well. Uh, he always seemed very shady. Uh, I guess he decided he was gay or came out as gay a couple of years ago and has now... He's one of the Stop the Steal guys, helped organize the January 6th stuff, was subpoenaed to Congress, and now it turns out he has been uh, soliciting uh, nude pictures from teens and apologized. And I just, I can't do anything about the other side, but I, I one of the very few arguments Rush Limbaugh and I would ever get in, it wasn't really an argument, he was just, he would push me on it is I have always felt very strongly that we have an obligation on our side to police ourselves. And that if I believe that someone is is a grifter or not really conservative, that I was in a position where I should call them out. And and Rush was always like, there's no reason to, to pick these fights. And I, I totally get what he was saying. It, it's not, there's not. Sometimes you pick these fights and they come after you. I mean, good Lord, you after the nuts at Claremont these days. They've got so many uh, longtime supporters, of which I've been one in the past, and you're squabbling with a bunch of people you otherwise like who can't acknowledge that uh, they got a bunch of crazy grifters at Claremont these days. But this Ollie guy has never been someone conservative should have rallied around and somehow was able to get himself in the room with people, and people relied on him, and he's just, well, now being more and more exposed is not who he claimed to be, and occasionally watching uh, not good people get their comeuppance. It's like schadenfreude, I guess, uh, but is there a word for, I mean, watching bad things happen to bad people that's kind of like that? I'm sure the Germans or the Japanese have a great phrase to to do that with. But the only thing that pains me is it was the Daily Beast, which I don't particularly care for, that broke the story, but it, it's it's legit story which we have to deal with. Now, when we come back, we got to deal with another story. Dominion and Fox, the trial has begun. Uh, You're not going to get a bunch of of pictures of Rupert Murdoch going into court. They're covering that up, but it actually is a big story. Is the First Amendment really at stake in this trial? Can we get behind the hyperbole to what's actually happening? I don't like how either side has covered this.